you're listening to Acropolic Radio. This is Klaatu with episode two of the how-to package for GNU Linux miniseries. Uh, today we're going to be doing RPMs. RPMs, of course, are, I guess they were sort of like the big first famous packaging format for, for Linux. I, I've always gotten the impression... I could be mistaken, but I've always kind of gotten the impression that they were the one that kind of set the stage for, oh, Linux, this is how Linux package, this is how Linux application management is done. And, and from what I'm understanding, that's, that's kind of, that was the one that kind of established that you, you didn't have to compile everything from source code anymore. You could grab these packages, run a command, rpm-uvh, foo.rpm, and it would do all of these magical things. And then I guess at some point, maybe at the same time, you could also, you know, remove those packages. Now, at that time, there was, uh, from, you know, what I've heard, no dependency resolution either. Uh, And so people would get very frustrated because they'd be trying to install Audacity 1.0, or I guess, you know, it was probably like point .1 back then, and then they would try to install, um, I don't know, let's say Lame, or something that that's kind of vaguely related to Audacity, and, and the version of Lame that they had downloaded would be something that's newer or older than the one that Audacity was using, so then they couldn't install both at the same time, and, and whatever. Dependency hell is what they called it, and RPM has become sort of famous for the one that, you know, oh, RPMs, that must mean that you're going to have trouble with R- with dependencies. Funny enough, I've never had any problems with dependencies on RPM, Slack builds. Really, the only one I've had problems on is .deb. And wait, don't get all panicky because I don't like .debs or something. I think that when people have dependency issues, it's largely because they're not familiar with the way that that package manager works. And the one format, or the one package manager that I don't tend to use, well, until very recently, I didn't tend to use very often, as often as the others, was the the .deb stuff, because I um, I just didn't have that much Debian going on lately, because of the PowerPC computers that I've found lying around at my new job. Um, I've actually been doing a lot of .deb work, and and when I first started that, I would literally run into dependency problems. But now that I actually kind of start to, you know, I've read up on apt-get and aptitude and stuff, and now I'm starting to understand how it it all works. And suddenly those dependency problems have gone away. Coincidence? I don't think so. So, I don't know. I'm not going I'm not saying that people never had dependency problems, because I'm sure they did. But I certainly have never had that issue with RPMs or Slack builds myself. And now that I understand, for instance, .deb, I don't have any problems with that either. Ports, I don't think I've even used enough to even fairly say. So, dependencies. I don't know. It could be an issue. It could not be. I guess it depends on your workflow. Point being, RPMs came along, and then a little tool called Yum came along. Yum was apparently devised by Yellow Dog uh, Linux, which was the, I think, the PlayStation and, and PowerPC port of Fedora, or something like that, or a version of it. Um, and I've, I've run a little bit of Yellow Dog, but I think right when I was getting into Linux that was kind of getting out of being a very active force, if it was ever an active force, I don't know. But Yum is is the is really it's it's the apt it's the apt get of, of RPM. So if Debian has DPKG and apt get and of course aptitude, uh, then that in in Red Hat land would be RPM and Yum. You can use both, actually, and, and fairly recently I've actually started using RPM more, not really because I wanted to, but because there were some little th- tasks 
that I had to do that when you're doing it with RPM, there are some very specific options that you can pass to do exactly what you want, and suddenly I felt like I knew what I was doing. So, once again, with packaging, um, I'm doing this on actually a Red Hat system, Red Hat 6, or RHEL 6. Uh, and when you're doing that, you and this is a fresh install, so you want to either have a fresh install, or you want to have a VM running what will obviously be a fresh install, because it's a, a virtual machine. You can revert back to a snapshot, or, or f- do a literal fresh install every every time you build a package. And that's, it, that is very important. I also make a user. I tend to try to make that user fairly generic, uh, just because I think I think the goal behind that is so that you're not accidentally screwing up your own system and you're not accidentally giving away a whole bunch of information about yourself or, or whatever. Make a, an individual user for, for, for this process, and then you need to install the things that you're going to need in order to be a RPM builder. And unlike on the very fine Slackware distribution, not everything just comes included. You have to actually kind of hunt around. Well, not hunt around, but you have to you have to do a little bit of work. So the, the work that you have to do is, uh, well, really, in this case, what you should do is become root and then do a yum group list and then do a search, or a grep, rather, a search uh, for, let's just do devel. Uh, and that will search through the repositories that you've got, and it will look for the groups that Fedora and, and I guess Red Hat and CentOS and all the scientific Linux and all those other ones group their applications into. And these are this is a really nice feature of Yum. I don't know if there's an equivalent on Aptitude or not, but on I, probably on Aptitude it would be like a meta package or something. But group installs are, are actually sort of they're just someone at Fedora or sometimes someone at Red Hat decided to to group a whole bunch of applications together into a handy mega download and install, and you just have these groups that you can do a group install of. It's, I really like it, actually. And it's yum group install. It's all one all. It's yum and then group install is one word. Uh, in this case, it would be development tools. So the full command after you find that there is a development tools uh, thing, it would be yum group install space quote development tools. And you want to... I, I think it's a little bit forgiving in terms of the capitalization, I think, if I recall correctly. But you do have to quote it. You want to escape that space in the name of the of the group. You hit return. And that's going to install a bunch of stuff. Like Once that's finished installing all those nice uh, compiling tool applications and things, you'll need to install one more tool, which is called yum install space rpm dev tools. And that is all one phrase, rpm dev tools. And that's the uh, the stuff that you're going to need for this RPM development exercise. Now, online, if you look into, and as you should, look into uh, tutorials on building RPM f- files, you might see references to RPM DevTools-Setup Tree. And this is supposed to be a command that will create the skeletal structure of kind of an RPM development environment for you, automatically. And it does that, but it only does it to the slash root directory, as I've discovered. I I, I cannot redirect it, I, it apparently. Um, I've tried doing RPM dev RPM build, RPM dev dash setup tree to the directory that I wanted to set up that tree into, RPM dev dash setup tree, uh, redirecting to, to the current directory, all kinds of things. I just can't get it to do that. I think it might be a legacy command, assuming 
that still assumes that you're building in your root directory. But every piece of advice online that I have seen urges you not to do that, to not build your package as root user. So I do not use the RPM dev dash setup tree. I simply make the directories myself, and it's not hard. So I make a, a folder in my home directory, and I call it RPM build. Pretty simple, kind of obvious. And then you simply have to make uh, six directories in 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 the in the rpm build directory so you've got a tilde slash rpm build and then you can go into there cd rpm build and then simply make dir build all capitals space build root all capital rpms so that's rpms all capital space sources all capitals space specs all capitals space srpms and that's it that's six directories that you can create and now you've got your rpm build environment that is what all the RPM build tools are going to expect and kind of want to see by default. So if you don't have that environment set up, your build will fail. Alright, so we're still working on the Yes Please application, which, is, if you'll remember from the last episode, is SigFlup's little command line application that takes a screenshot and uploads it to a to a site. And the Yes Please program is, is really great for, for this exercise like I said last time, because it is just a little bit complex. It's just complex enough to cause us uh, to actually work at it and to give us a good taste of what a really, really complex application might involve on a, on a larger scale. But at the same time, it's really, really a small application. There's not a whole lot to it, and it turns out to be a really short uh, build or a script. So the, the center of the RPM world is the spec file, and that is a spec file is like a slack build that's how i would like the slack build file that's how i would think of it and that is yes please in this case dot spec now you've got a spec file that spec file goes guess where yes in the specs directory so if we're in cd or if we're in rather uh, tilde slash rpm build slash specs all capitals and we touch yes please that's y e s p l z dot spec then we've got that file. And if I do a less on the yes please spec that I actually have, which I'll have to link to this RPM in the show notes so that you can download it and follow along, the uh, spec file is going to pass different variables and different options and different instructions to the RPM or yum front end. There are some things that are included in the RPM program that makes a spec file fairly easy to write compared to all that code that we had in the Slack build. If you you remember your reaction, or what your reaction might have been when you opened up the Yes Please Slack build, and mind you, that was a pretty simple Slack build. There's a lot of code there. There's a lot of detection going on. There's a lot of stuff happening in that shell script. RPM, because it's a big, hefty application all on its own, it has a lot of that information that it can kind of figure out, and you don't have to write that into 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 your spec file. For instance, there's no code block in here trying to figure out if we're building on 32 or 64-bit. RPM will take care of that for us. There's no variable that we have to assign for a libdir suffix just in case we're building on a 64-bit system and not a 32-bit system. RPM will just kind of handle that for us. So a couple of like really nice conveniences, it's just that you have to kind of get used to them being there because at first glance, this spec file especially is going to look pretty sparse. So here we are. Spec file for yes, please. I'm not going to go line by line, but you, I think you'll get the, the idea. So the first line is a percent sign define, and, and the percent sign is the RPM notation for a macro, as it were. 
preset kind of thing that's going to get translated into a completely different process once we start running RPM build on this. So the percent define is obviously defining a variable, and in this case we're saying underscore top dir is home slash home slash clatu slash RPM build. That is the top directory of our RPM building world. That is that our RPM doesn't need to know that anything outside of home slash clatu slash RPM build even exists. Next line, of course, you see a percent defined name. This is exactly like the program name variable in Slack build, and that is just yes please. It's not the full string of all the versioning stuff. It has nothing to do with that. Percent defined release. Well, this is release one. This is the first release of a yes please package, RPM package that I've ever released. So again, this like like in Slackware, this is the the build version sort of percent defined version. This is the versioning number, and again, this is where Sigflup kind of scorns the entire world in their petty conventions, and she boldly names her version AUG underscore 4 underscore 2010. Traditionally speaking, more often than not, I think you're going to see things like 0 0.8, 1.0, 1.4, 2.3, 2.33, whatever. It's going to be in a series of numbers and stuff unless Sigflip wrote it. Percent define space build root. We are telling it that the build root is our top directory, the name of the, f the, the application, the version of the application, dash root. This should look really, really familiar again from that Slack build, because if you recall in the Slack build, we said that we want to define a temp directory, and then inside of that temp directory, we want to define that there's a package and the version of that, and that everything's going to be sent there. Same thing is going on here. Next line says that the build root is slash var slash temp slash percent name dash build root. So this is a very, very temporary thing. That's why it's going into var, because it's a variable-sized file that actually we're going to ditch after we've built it. But we want a working space, and we just throw that out to slash var slash temp. A summary, that's human information. In this case, I put one line. Yes, please, screenshot uploader for unixporn.com. License, GPL. I don't know that that's true. I'm, I, I'm assuming it's GPL. I should probably ask Sigflup sometime about that. Name, uh, percent name. We've already defined that for up in the script. Again, like I say, this is all so similar. Slack build, remember how I was like raving about how they did all the variables at the top of the script? Well, this is exactly what we've done here, right? We've defined a, a number of variables. Now, for everything underneath that, we just keep referring back to those variables so that if there is a big change, Sigflup suddenly changes it to yes, please, properly spelled, yes, P-L-E-A-S-E. -E. All we have to do is change the word yes, please, once in the script because everything else just refers back to that variable. Same for the release. Not necessarily the same for the source. The source is going to be the name-version and then dot, in this case, TGZ. Now, if your source code that you're compiling for, or that you're building a package for, ends in dot tar dot gz or tar dot bz2 or dot zip or dot 7z or dot whatever, then you're going to want to change that extension. So this is the line, just like in the Slack build script, where you have to kind of remember to actually change that appropriately, or else when you run your build, it's going to say that no file existed, and you'll probably spend like 10 minutes wondering what's going wrong, and you'll realize that you just forgot to give it the proper extension. I speak from experience. The next line defines our prefix, which uh, in this case is slash USR. This again is going to be something that you kind of have to watch, keep an eye on. I think 
normally it's going to be slash USR, but you might have to change it if you look through the source code and you see things happening in the install script or whatever where you actually need to account for some kind of unique thing. In this case, it's slash USR. All that's saying is that when we're doing our RPM build, when we're doing our little script and everything, we're simply saying that it's a given that the prefix is going to be slash USR. Now, within USR, there might be a bin, an Etsy, a doc, whatever, a share, you know, whatever f- other folders we are going to be dumping into our little build, but the, the, the one that we can always account for is going to be slash USR. The group, uh, I put it in development tools, which is completely wrong. I have no idea what the group uh, assignments are on Fedora or Red Hat. Uh, I've never really bothered looking it up. And then the requires. Now, this is an interesting one because uh, if you if you do a really simple application that doesn't have any dependency at all, and they do exist, uh, then you won't have a requires line. But in this case, we have a requires line because, as you'll recall from last week, um, this requires x11, libjpeg, and actually pthreads. Well, pthreads is already in Red Hat and Fedora and... Scientific Linux and CentOS, so we don't have to re- really worry about that one. But libx11 and libjpeg, well, actually they both are as well. But see, we're on Red Hat now or Fedora, so it's not like Slackware where all the header files come along with the the the, the application that you've got. So in this case, we need to require that the user has libx11-devel and libjpeg-devel. So those are the development files that go along with, for instance, libx11 and libjpeg. And that's not installed by default on even a a pretty robust uh, install. They're just not going to have those files because they don't assume that everyone's going to need the development versions of, of, or the development uh, files that go along with those those applications. Here, case matters very much. So we're saying libx11-devel and libjpeg-devel the it's lib lowercase l i b capital x one one dash devel so that sort of thing really really matters because what you're going to find is that if you were to run this rpm script uh, like actually do an rpm install like rpm dash capital u v h uh, yes please blah 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 rpm then it would stop and tell you this requires lib x eleven dash devel before it can build or or that and the libjpeg one. So you'd have to go into root user and do a yum search for libx11 and libjpeg and find out the name of, you know, those those libraries. And of course on Fedora it's going to be one thing and then on Debian it's going to be on uh, it's going to be another and I'm sure on some other uh distribution it's it's yet another. Um Fedora usually has that dash devel at the end and I guess they often put lib in the front. I actually haven't really noticed lately, but but then Debian will just say like JPEG libs dash dev or something like that, and it's not devel. So you kind of have to hunt around for these things. But you know, I mean, Yum and Aptitude both have really really f- fuzzy searches, so you can you can find them. But you do have to be aware of what they're called, how they're capitalized, uh, and the exact you know naming scheme, or else it 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 won't it won't realize that you're not. You know, you need to be able to flag it. You're flagging it for the user so that you're not trying to build something against libraries and header files and stuff that don't actually exist. So the requires line is where you define that. And then the next line is the description. I put in a fairly long description here simply because I could. And then the next line is 
100% prep, which is another one of those little macros. So that's doing a little preparation step. And if you do an RPM build of this, you actually get to see what those little macros, as it were, um, or placeholders or whatever you want to call them, what those actually do. And the, the percent prep uh, unzips or you know untars the source directory, and then I think, and then the percent setup does something else. So those are presets that you almost don't even have to think about. They're just they're two common steps that almost every time you're doing an RPM, you're going to be doing that. Unless, I don't know, for some reason you don't have to uncompile the source or something like that. Next step is percent build. And the build step that we want to define here normally would be dot slash configure and then make. In this case, we do not do that because of that line in Slack build, in the Slack build that I wrote myself that I'd forgotten when I was doing the RPM, that the install script that, R- that, that SIGFLUP uses for a normal sort of command line-y kind of install doesn't quite work the way that RPM or Slack build or port actually wanted it to work. So you um, would just do a dot slash configure here, and then under the install step, we're going to remove the RPM build root, and we do that forcefully and recursively because we don't want any old versions of our build lying around. And then we'll make a directory in the RPM build root in the new one that we're going that we're making right now, slash usr slash bin. So the RPM build root is a standard variable for slash var slash temp slash percent name dash build root, uh, and we defined that up up at the top of the script. If you'll if you'll look up there right above the license and the summary, you'll see the build root being defined. So that's where the RPM build root is. We've just made that, and we've made two directories inside of it, a, a slash usr and a slash bin. Then we do a make install, but we define the prefix as being, as, as equaling the RPM build root slash usr. And that ensures that the binary that we're building is being sent to the prefix of the RPM build root slash usr. And that that's a little bit of a hack due to the the, the, the the make file and the install script that Sigflup wrote into her program. Not a problem, just something to be aware of. And again, it's kind of one of those things that makes it fun. If you go and do an RPM build, for instance, of wget or something like that, that's just really pretty straightforward, then you might even have, you might even find it even more clear in a way because it's really just a replicate. It's, it's exact, it's just like compiling the thing from source, except you're kind of outlining it a little bit more, you know, you're you're telling another application to do those steps, and you're just making sure that it's doing those steps and sending the results into a certain directory. In this case, as I've said, RPM build root slash USR is our starting point. So then we do a clean step, and again on the Slack build we did the same thing. If you remember at the very end of the script after we did the the install, we do a little bit of cleanup. Pretty common. It's pretty pretty nice. And the step that we actually do is that we get rid of the RPM build root. Why would we do that? Well, it's because the install step includes grabbing everything from the RPM build root and dumping it into the appropriate files here in our RPM build directory. When I first saw that, I was very, very confused as to why we were removing something so soon. I I, I didn't have that line in there at all, because I, I kept swearing that that surely would take everything that I've just created and delete it, because I was still thinking very much in Slack build terms where you've just built this package in slash temp slash SPO and so we need to still go into that package and, and do the make PKG step, right? We can't we can't remove that yet. Well we can because you're not in this spec file you're not seeing everything that's actually happening. That'll become really clear in a minute when, once we once we 
run the actual RPM build script. So uh, we've just cleaned up after ourselves, that's nice, and then we'll do a percent files. This is actually really important. This isn't just nice. This is something that RPM needs in order to, or RPM build needs, in order to make sure that everything you want in the package itself makes its way into that package. So it's percent %files, and then percent def attr, so defining attributes as a parentheses, dash, comma, root, comma, root, parenthes, close parentheses. So again, just like in Slack builds, we're taking everything that we've just built, and we've choned it, essentially, to root. Root. Why? Well, because this is a package. It, it belongs to root. This is the root's domain. They take packages, and they install it onto the system. And they shouldn't be owned by other users, by other random users that might not even exist on that machine, for instance. So uh, that's a good step to do. And then the next line is the first file that we want included in the RPM, which is slash USR slash bin slash yes, please. And then we've got a percent doc. And again, that's another little macro, see, because it, now it's going to automatically make all the little document documentation directories in our package for us. So we don't have to worry about that. So percent doc space readme space shouts, because she has a file in there called shouts, where she, shout, she gives shouts out, shout outs to various people. And that's really it. That's the spec file. It's, it's pretty much... Uh, that simple. So the only other thing that we need to do, which in real life I think we would have already done at this point, but we need to go into the sources directory, and we need to wget the source. And the source, of course, lives somewhere on a server, which I will have to include in the show notes, but you might already have it from the last episode as well. If you did, if you followed along with the last episode at all, you might still have that uh, .tgz. Now the one thing that we have to do for the RPM that we didn't do for the Slack build, uh, but that I do have to do for the port file as well, is change the name of her source directory and change the name of what it untars to. This is a little... I mean, like, we can do this because this is an example. This is SigFlup. We know SigFlup. We all love SigFlup. We can change the pack the source package name it's fine if this was something that was coming if some monolithic application coming from some organization that you might not have complete say over how that package gets named we might have to do that with some kind of extra script slack build has uh, an allowance for that sort of thing um, rpm has an allowance for that all the packaging formats will let you do that i I'm not doing anything like that for Yes Please. I've had to do it before for Lives, the uh, the video editor for a Slack build. I had to change the name that it because it, it unzipped to something other than what it was zipped up as, which wreaks havoc on your packaging script because you you're telling it, okay, the name of this program is Lives or Yes Please with a capital Y and a capital P. But then once I unzip it, suddenly the name becomes different. Well, that doesn't work because now the script doesn't recognize it anymore. So in this case, we're going to just cheat and we're going to do a tar dash xf yes please underscore og underscore four twenty ten dot tgz and we see that it does indeed unzip to yes please underscore og four twenty ten but we're going to move yes please underscore og to yes please dash og underscore four underscore twenty ten dot well not dot anything uh, twenty ten so now we've just made that directory have a dash after the name because remember, last time I said that there was that convention of the program archive being, or the package being called the program name dash the version number 
dot compression. So in this case, we're giving it a dash because that's what RPM assumes your package is going to be named. That's the scheme it is assuming. So the yes please becomes the name, the aug4 2010 becomes the version string, and then dot tgz is the compression. So that, that fits the convention now. Now let's zip it back up, So or, or tar it back up. So we'll do a tar dash cf create file, yes please, dash aug underscore 4 underscore 2010. So we're keeping the dash dot tgz. Of course, the, fi the folder that we'll, we're doing this to is yes please dash aug underscore 4 underscore 2010. And that creates our tar. And then we need to zip that up. So we'll just do a gzip yes please dash aug 4 2010 dot tar. And that gives us a tar dot gz. And then let's just rename that to yes please dash aug underscore 4 underscore 2010 dot tgz. So that we have exactly what Sigflup gave us, except one little dash is different, but I don't even think she's going to notice. So, now we've got our sources living in tilde slash rpm build slash sources, and then slash yes please dash aug underscore four underscore 2010.tgz. And we've got our spec file over in our specs folder in the same rpm build. Now that is all we need. That's, that's the structure of your pre-built rpm creation. Of course, there are other files that you can include if you need to. Lots of different options with this sort of thing. But this is the basic. So now we need to issue a command, the, actually the command, called rpm build. And that's what, we, um, that's what we downloaded with those dev tools, the rpm dev tools. So we've got rpm build space dash b a or dash bb. And I'll tell you the difference in a moment space yes please dot spec well actually we're not in spec so let's do dot slash specs slash yes please dot spec there so we've just passed the rpm build command with the option of dash b a which means to build all meaning build a binary distribution as well as a source distribution so we're going to have two different rpms at the end of this process if we if we press return now and then of course the space dot slash specs slash yes please dot spec is the path to the spec file because the spec file is the thing that rpm build looks to on how it should be run now if you don't care about the source package i don't know why you wouldn't for this particular program because it's so small and it takes no time to compile it if you are doing binary builds and you don't care about the source RPM, uh, then you don't have to do a dash BA. You can do a dash BB, and that will build only the binary RPM package. So it's, it's up to you, and it kind of depends on what you're building. So anyway, you press enter now on that, and it goes through the spec file, and you can, as, as I say, now that we've know that we know all the little macros that we put into our spec file, we can actually see what that's being translated into. You might have to scroll up for it, but you get the information and and you can see where we said percent prep uh it's untarring the thing and when we said percent setup it's doing something else and when when you said percent install it's actually moving files around all over the place so there's there's a lot of other stuff going on that you didn't actually write here and that threw me off a little bit too because again i was pretty used to slack builds where the only thing that happened was exactly what i wrote with the exception of that make pkg step at the very very end but then that's make pkg i mean who doesn't know that command so there's an rpm now but where is it well it could be of one one of two places one will be in the slash or the the if if you're in rpm build then it's dot slash 
um, RPMs, all capital. And then you'll see in there, there's an x86 underscore 64. Or you might be on a different machine, so it might be an i486 or 586, rather. Uh, whatever. Go into that folder, and you'll see that, sure enough, there's your nice new... RPM, along with a debug info version of it as well. I don't need debug info. There's no bugs in, sh in Sigflup's applications. So there we go. If, if we did right now, if we switched over to root and we said rpm-u, capital U, vh, dot slash rpms, x86 underscore 64, yes please, dash august, asterisk rpm, and did that, then it installs it without any problems. Now, of course, if this is a comp if this were a real fresh install, which I admit, for this episode, I didn't actually set one up. But when I did set one up for the actual RPM, it it errored out. It said, "Well, you, I can't do this because you don't have libx11 built, and you don't have libjpeg or the development files for those." So I had to go back through and do a yum install of those development files. Now there's a way that you can define, you can differentiate between a library or a, an application that it needs to build versus an application that it needs to run. So that, you know, if the user has a library not installed, but it doesn't actually need that library to build itself, then you could let it keep, you could let it do, you could let it compile, but it wouldn't run. Uh, or you can say, well, look, both of these are the same, are essentially the same. We, you need both, you know, you need all of these different libraries or whatever in order to build and to run, and I'm not going to let you do anything until you have those. It's all uh, up to you and how you think that this packaging thing needs to be done. Okay, so back to our our our, our little folder here. So if I'm getting out of root now. So now if I do an ls on dot slash srpms, then you see that there's a single RPM in there, and that's a source RPM. So it's yes please dash og for 2010-1.src.rpm, meaning that when someone goes to build that, they're, it's going to build the code. It's going to build it from source. Uh, the more common one is an RPM binary. You know, I mean, that's kind of what RPMs are, are known for. They're, they're, it's a binary distribution. They, they, they give you the binary that just simply gets extracted from the RPM and sprinkled across your file system, and suddenly you're running the application. And, you know, honestly, that's about it for RPMs. I mean, that's, that's how they're made, and that is how they are actually constructed and that's where they get dumped to. Um, and what more can I say? Um, that's RPM. So RPM dash capital U underscore, I mean, uh, lowercase v, lowercase h, space, name of RPM dot RPM. That's the install command. If you ever want to then remove that package, then it would be RPM space dash e for erase name of that package. And then it will erase the really all traces of that application from your system, provided that other things haven't come along and started depending on, you know, yes please. If someone creates a file, a new application called more, 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 and that requires yes please in order to run, then okay, you're going to need both of those things on your your system. Of course, there are a number of great great tutorials online. There, there's I, there's a an entire book on the subject. I think it's called Maximum RPM or something like that. And, it, and there's just a lot of great info, all the different kinds of things that you can do, d definitions for all those little shortcuts, those macros that, you're, you, that you can use to, um, to simplify your spec file for yourself. 
Um, and of course, I mean, RPMs can call other RPMs via yum, so it can get pretty complex and pretty, pretty cool. RPMs are fairly common on the interwebs. Um, it, finding an application that does not yet have an RPM associated to it might be a little bit difficult. Uh, heck, there are even source code files sometimes that ship with a spec file included, and you can actually uh, build the the RPM from the spec file that the that the developer wrote for you. You know, I mean, it's RPMs are pretty pretty popular. I, I don't know how much in need they are of of people to create new RPMs for applications that people are just dying to have. However. I do think that finding something that may might be not quite up to date or something like that and and offering to help maintain that package and keep it up to date that could be something you might want to get into. So the first step is obviously just to to build RPMs for yourself to learn that and then once you've gotten pretty comfortable with it you can take on larger applications and try to build applications that are a little bit more complex than for instance yes please or wget. I'll I'll try to have some links in the show notes on different tutorials online and um, have a good time with that. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Next episode we're going to cover BSD port system and we'll build one for Yes Please. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All Binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.